Today, we're going to be talking about Ruben Doc Veos, the former national president of the Moggles Motorcycle Club. Also, Operation Black Rain coming up. Live from ABC7, this is Eyewitness News in High Definition. A sweeping raid on an outlaw motorcycle gang. Dozens of bikers arrested from Southern California to Ohio. The charges against them range from drug sales to murder. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. I'm Michelle Tuzzi. This is the result of a three-year undercover investigation in which federal agents infiltrated the Mongols motorcycle gang. Eyewitness News reporter Micah Ullman is live in downtown Los Angeles with more on the sweeping raids. Micah? The federal racketeering indictment, the product of a years-long and intense undercover investigation by federal agents, L.A. County Sheriff's deputies, the Montebello Police Department, and Las Vegas Metro cops in what is being described by the feds as perhaps the single biggest takedown ever by the ATF. Busted from the top down, federal agents say the violent Mongols outlaw motorcycle gang has been dismantled by a massive series of pre-dawn raids across the country, many here in Southern California. This indictment does much more than simply disrupt a violent criminal organization. We believe it puts a stake in the heart of the Mongols. 61 members now under arrest from what the feds say is a gang 600 members strong across the country with roots in Montebello dating back to the 1970s. The federal racketeering indictment seeks the forfeiture of the trademarked Mongols name and tags the Mongols as a criminal enterprise guilty of murder, hate crimes, firearms violations, and drug trafficking. This morning we arrested the recently banished leader of the Mongols, Ruben Doc Cavazos, as well as his son and other top members of the gang's mother chapter. Agents this morning seized 86 firearms, including assault weapons, and five LAPD badges. A bust not possible, say the feds, without the undercover work of the four ATF agents who infiltrated the gang to become full-patch members, undergoing rigorous scrutiny by the Mongols and during polygraph examinations. Four female ATF agents then went undercover, posing as the agents' girlfriends. Four years is a long time to live a dual identity. Uh, it was a very stressful environment living that dual life, uh, not only for the undercovers, but for their families. Really a historical moment in law enforcement. When you look back at all the undercover cases in the past, you look at, you know, Donnie Brasco, Joe Pistone, you look at Joe, Frank Serpico, uh, this is going to go down in the history of law enforcement with these uh, ATF agents going undercover. 121 arrest warrants, 86 counts, if followed by convictions, could send many of those arrested today to prison for life. Live in downtown Los Angeles, Micah Ullman reporting ABC 7 Eyewitness News. As you can see from that video clip back then when all this went down, this was all over the news and stuff like that. You've seen Doc uh, being taken in. But you got to ask yourself, how did this happen? Well, when you hear Penny, he was the former national president of the Mongos, it looks like Doc got a little bit of a big head. He was out making money for himself. He started bringing in outsiders that weren't actually bikers, and it turned into something that the Mongols weren't 
originally uh, all about. And it is a sad state of affairs that this all went down because now you have everybody's heard in the last couple years save the patch. People don't understand something about Rico. You have to have predicate acts when it comes to the uh, Rico to be charged with it. Ever since these guys went down in Operation Black Rain, the government's been all over the Mongols' nuts. It culminated in this civil Rico that they just went through where the jury ordered the trademark or patch of the Mongols to be taken. The judge didn't agree with that. It went to the appeals court. Mind you, nobody during that civil RICO case was charged with a crime. And I kind of find it real funny that nobody was freaking charged but they still went after the patch. That's how bad the feds had a hard on for the Mongols. And they still do. They still do. I'm not going to even deny that. Is everybody a saint? No. Not in any organization. And this includes the Masons, the Elks, everything. But because Caveos. He did a summation, and if you guys don't know what a summation is, that's when you take a deal, you plead guilty, and they have you say a bunch of stuff. He went on to say that the Mongols were a criminal enterprise the whole nine yards. What was interesting also about Doc, and nobody knows where he is, what's up with that, and you know why? Because when you search the prison records, he is nowhere to be found. His case was sealed. Yeah, sealed tight. This can only mean that he was a rat. That's the only damn thing that it, that can tell you. I'm not in the Mongols, so I can't tell you for sure. I'm sure they know more about it. But I do know when everything's sealed and nobody wants you to know anything, he turns state evidence. I don't know if he's still alive. I don't know if he's in witness protection. I believe he got 14 years in prison. But I guess he was using the club as his own personal piggy bank. Listen to this one. And Doc was all cared about the money. I mean, for every patch, I mean, he was bringing chapters from out of state, and he just get all this money, and so he just cared about the every time a member came in, five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, and so the screening thing probably just went to, to hell. Basically. I heard on one run he made nine hundred thousand dollars. Then after two thousand two, he took over after I did. Uh, basically, lied about my situation and a lot of good brothers I think we had 200 people leave the club at that time but then right away we started seeing uh, some um, illegal things with him like I said I guess 
We just saw everything started to go. He was like a, he was like, he was out for himself and not for not for the brotherhood of the club, basically. Yeah, and then he was like it was intimidation. He would bring in, he started bringing in all kinds of uh, street uh, gang uh, gang members and uh, street 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 people, and they looked at him because he needed the vote. So basically, it was it was intimidation mostly. Well, I left because of Doc, you know, Doc Capasso's because he was just stripping the club of money. This uh, uh, you're not supposed to. This is the club's money. The club's money, not his money. No, no president is supposed to gain from the club. And all he did was buy. He bought houses. He bought bikes. He bought cars for his son, his brother. Uh, I don't know what he put aside. He, uh, lawyer fees are supposed to go to Roger. Uh, never went to Roger. That was the former national president before Doc Caveos. It seems like behind the scenes, uh, old Doc was working the members to get him ousted. And that's a sad state of affairs in a motorcycle club. A lot of people want the power and they'll do anything they can to get the guy they want out. A motorcycle club is supposed to be about brotherhood. But when you start mixing... Money, I don't care what patch you wear, I don't know, care what allegiance you have to any type of organization, that money and that power is going to start taking over. And that's when things slide down that slope. Everybody loses the meaning behind where they're at and why they're there. Mongols are a great big club. They really are. And what Doc did was not only hurt the Mongols, but it hurt the club scene as a whole. Once there's precedent in case law, anybody can be targeted at that point. Sure, it was the Mongols this time, but hey... If law enforcement gets a bug up their ass and wants to go after a local hog chapter because a couple guys are out there slinging dope, that's going to happen. So don't be one of them people that go around and say, well, that can't happen to us. Yes, it can happen to you. And it will happen to you if they have their way. It was awesome seeing everybody gather together enemies are not for this cause because they knew it could happen to them another thing that happened during operation black rain was four atf officers infiltrated the mongols i don't know like they said lack of uh, checking up on people or what have you again that's their situation i don't care but operation black rain really put clubs in the spotlight and gave the government new tools to use against clubs. A lot of people were asking, well, why did they wait so long? Well, they were building those predicate acts up. Now everybody understands when I talk about 
summations why that is detrimental to the club. Because you're sitting there admitting that a club is now a criminal organization. That gives the feds all they need to call a club a gang and to go after them with RICO. Sad state of affairs, it really is. Now listen to uh, little Dave. He was interviewed with ABC, I believe it was, talking about what the Mongols are really about. The federal government says they're a convicted criminal gang. The Hells Angels consider them enemies. They call themselves the Mongols Motorcycle Club. And they're one of the most notorious MC groups in the world. It's about honor, respect, and pride. But for this East LA-born brotherhood, the last few years have been a fight for survival. They've been under federal indictment for the last decade. And recently, a federal jury in Santa Ana convicted the National Club of racketeering and racketeering conspiracy for murder, attempted murder, and drug dealing. More than 75 of their members have been convicted, including their former president, Ruben Doc Cavazos. But the biggest blow of all hit him where it hurts the most. They lost the rights to their trademarked emblem. What the patch means to me and all my brothers, when we ride, it's like a ring in a marriage. It symbolizes our loyalty and commitment to the Mongols motorcycle when we're out there riding together as a as a club. David Santian, known as Little Dave by everyone here, is the new national president of the Mongols. He's been on the front lines of the group's fight against the government to keep the rights to their sacred symbol. This is a lifestyle, um, a culture and a way of life for us. It's a, To me, it's a lifetime commitment. Uh, I've been doing this, I've been in this club 20, going on 23 years. The infamous patch is a caricature of the founder of the ancient Mongol Empire, Genghis Khan. Prosecutors argue in order to get or keep their patches, members are encouraged to commit crimes. It's why they've been fighting for years to strip the club of their logo. There's still a lot of secrecy around the patches, and little Dave wouldn't tell me much, but if there's one thing club members, their lawyers, and prosecutors agree on, this symbol is a pivotal part of the club's identity. If they take away our patch, they, they could take away everybody else's. It would be a domino effect if they say a case law for the future. So I don't see us going anywhere. We're just going to continue fighting until the wheels fall off. U.S. District Judge David O. Carter also doesn't seem to be fully convinced about stripping the club of their logo. He's invited civil rights groups and lawyers to weigh in on the First Amendment implications of this case. Stephen Bowtie Stubbs is the Mongols' general counsel. Never before in U.S. history has the government tried to take and ban a symbol. Think about that for a second. How many symbols are there in the United States? Um, from wedding rings to, uh, to, to religious symbols of all kinds, right? If the government can take and ban a symbol, where does that leave everyone else? And who's next? I mean, that's really what we have to have to look at. This is a very slippery slope. This case is getting the attention of other motorcycle groups. It's even rumored that their arch rivals, Hells Angels, despite their checkered and deadly past with the Mongols, are donating money to fight the cause. Little Dave says the club has spent more than a million dollars over the past decade through fundraisers, donations, and club dues, and they won't stop fighting until they win. It's a matter of principle at this point and pride. We're not going away. 
and they're not going to kick us to the curb. We're going to, like I said before, we're going to do this till the wheels fall off. We don't care, whatever, at any cost. So as you can tell, Operation Black Rain really put the Mongols in that spotlight, like I said. Here's the setting scene for Doc, but if you do take your time to do some research, you'll see many of articles on the fact that nobody could get a sentencing report, nothing because everything was sealed. They even went through and sued. I believe it was the AP that sued to find out what the hell's going on. So you have this, it's kind of like a Tasmanian devil. He's in the center of everything, kicking up all kinds of dust. Rico usually carries a life sentence, depending on what charges you're hit with. He only got 14 years. So any smart person's going to know what the hell happened. Take a look at this sentencing uh, report. The former national president of the notorious Mongols motorcycle gang has pleaded guilty to racketeering conspiracy. Charges against Ruben Doc Cavazos stem from a case that's accused other Mongol members of murder, drug trafficking, and violent attacks. You're talking homicides, narcotics, uh, some extremely violent individuals who are uh, taken off the street today. Authorities conducted a sweep last October in six states, arresting 79 members of the Mongol motorcycle club. The investigation, dubbed Operation Black Rain, was three years in the making and relied on the work of undercover agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. We believe it puts a stake in the heart of the Mongols. Several of the members indicted have already pleaded guilty to a variety of charges. The 59-year-old Cavazos could face up to 20 years in prison when he is sentenced in February. Sandy Kozell, The Associated Press. That's just a little coverage about who he was, as well as his sentence. Kind of a just dusting about what Operation Black Rain was about. There are plenty of books on this subject. Also, a lot of information on the internet you to check out about Operation Black Rain. I encourage you to go and familiarize yourself with this kind of stuff. Because the feds, they got the money, people. That's why they have such a high conviction rate is because they do have the money and they're just waiting for you to not have it and just take you down. It's a long, hard uh, process that uh, you got to fight when it comes to not only the feds, but motorcycle club profiling and a guy like him who did his club dirty doesn't help anybody so i'm heading over to uh the radio right now MotorcycleMadhouseRadio.com. i got china doll in here we're gonna have a good time don't forget to like and subscribe to the video and uh also share it on your social media rock on